0: Welcome to Transforming Education Leadership Lessons. This podcast is hosted by Northwestern College. We're bringing you thought leaders who are influencing education and the world around them. Each episode provides new leadership lessons, so you can learn how to embrace your own influence. Leadership has nothing to do with title or position, that leadership has to do with impact, and the role of a leader isn't to create followers, it's to enable more leaders. Take away leadership qualities that inspire.
1: I think good leaders really get people
2: brought together around a cause and can inspire them to be better than they were yesterday or
0: to do something great. Care about others. We need teachers out there that are caring and compassionate and are interested in the student beyond the discipline that they're teaching. Show people they matter. We don't have a bullying problem. We don't even have a gun problem. We have a mattering problem. By knowing you matter.
1: You matter to yourself first before you can matter to someone else.
0: So further your impact. When you just authentically love your students, I just don't think you can help but grow. Understand your core values.
1: You can tell pretty quickly, any core leader, whether or not he or she is there for the mission at hand for the people that they serve or whether they're there for themselves
0: and align your mission.
2: Everything we do on campus, whether it's someone in the maintenance department or someone teaching in the classroom or to coach, uh, it should tie back to our mission of impacting students for the cause of Christ.
0: Discover how to use your influence to inspire others.
1: That is why the relationships is so critical in everything we do, because when people know you care about them, they know yet they have your best interest and then it sinks in.
0: Let's welcome our host, Gary Richardson.
2: Thank you, Leslie, and thank all of you for listening to Transforming Education Leadership Lessons. There's just a ton of podcasts out there, and a lot of them really good, and I know your time is valuable, and because of that, we bring in thought partners to inspire and influence your leadership. This episode, we will be discussing leadership lessons with Mr. Corey Westra, current commissioner of the Great Plains Athletic Conference since 2003. Corey graduated from Dort College and received his master's degree from Briar Cliff in management and an emphasis in leadership. Corey served as a sports director for KDCR and Sioux Center while serving Dort College as the sports information director before his move to the GPAC offices in Sioux City. Corey also serves as the co-tournament director for both the NAIA Women's National Tournaments in Volleyball and Basketball. Corey has been honored as a recipient of the Cheryl K. Brown Meritorious Service Award for his work with the Women's National Basketball Tournament, as well as the Outstanding Service Award for his work with the NAIA Volleyball Championships. And we welcome to the podcast Mr. Corey Westra. Welcome, Corey.
1: Well, Gary, it's really good to be with you today and that... uh to hear your voice again and to talk about the GPAC. I'll never give up an opportunity to talk about this conference.
2: Yeah, well, that's fantastic. And I'm wondering if you would mind sharing a little bit of your background, Corey, and then kind of what you do on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, my background is is um, I was born and raised in Ireton, Iowa, just outside of Orange City. I actually know Orange City very well. I went to high school there. I went to Unity Christian High School. My grandparents lived just two blocks to the north of uh, Northwestern. Okay. So uh, when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time on the Northwestern campus, actually looking at the tadpoles that used to be there. I don't even know if they're by Zwaymer Hall anymore, but probably in all the years of construction, that's gone by the wayside. But spent many time, much of time on the Northwestern campus. My mom is a Northwestern graduate, but all her kids went to Dort. How about that for an interesting dynamic? Uh, Uh, but I did go to DORT. One one uh, great
2: thing about this is we get to edit this podcast. Oh, we
1: get to edit that. Okay. (laughs) Here we go. We're editing right off the start. Uh. Um, I went to DORT. It became apparent that DORT was in need of a sports information director and also KDCR with a sports director for on-air broadcasts. And we were going into a new conference at that point, the South Dakota, Iowa conference. So when I graduated in 97, they created a position. And I was fortunate enough to be hired into that position. And I worked there for four years. During that four years, in my last year, Dort transitioned into the GPAC. And that's really when my relationship with the GPAC started. I was on the site visit at that time with former commissioner Paul Clark and got to know him very well. Fast forward, got married, ended up leaving Dort. Paul Clark called me one day and said, I'd really like to have you help me out in the GPAC as sports information director for the conference. And I accepted that and I did that for one year part-time while working other jobs as well. And then he called me out of the blue one day and said, I'm transitioning away. I'm moving to the Ames area, and I'd really like you to be uh, in line to be the commissioner of the GPAC. What a tremendous opportunity. And in 2003, the GPAC athletic directors and Council of Presidents gave me the best opportunity of my life. And uh, that was to be the commissioner of this conference. I was young. I was in high need of learning. And they were patient and showed a lot of grace. And now we fast forward 17 years later in 2020, and I'm still the commissioner of the GPAC and couldn't be more proud of what I'm doing with this league and just love it every day. So that's my background a little bit, Gary. Day-to-day, I just run the league. That's my job. I'm the uh, conduit, if you will, the linchpin. Kind of everything circles and runs through our office here in Sioux City, Iowa. And we have 12-member schools, and I cover a lot on a day-to-day basis. And, of course, in these times, cover even more in the midst of a pandemic, and I'm sure we're going to talk more about that today. Sure.
2: So when you were asked by Paul to take this job on, what compelled you to chase it? The job is enormous, and you've done an outstanding job of creating continuity. But at that time, what compelled you to take it on?
1: Yeah. You know, I moved away from intercollegiate athletic to some degree, and I really missed it. Some people choose to be coaches and follow that path. I never had that itch, per se. I really like the backside of athletics, the administrative side. And I think that has to do with a former boss in Rick Vandenberg at Dort, who was a tremendous athletic director and really put a lot of trust in me in leadership positions and let me run with things. And it's kind of interesting, Gary. I always enjoyed talking with the other coaches when they came to play us. I always enjoyed getting to know what other campuses were doing And I think that that back history in my time in Sioux Center really helped me and compelled me to be ready to do this job. I love working with people. I'm not afraid to go in and deal with a lot of constituent groups and then bring it all back together for the greater good of everybody. So that's really been my mantra, I guess, if you will, during my time with the GPAC is I pride myself in relationships. And I think that's what really compelled me to move into this job. And I got to be honest, it was very daunting at the beginning, and there's still days it's very daunting to be the leader of this league. But we have great people and great people that work hard. Sometimes our individual sides show, and that's okay. But I think the corporate side and one conference, one voice is shining through, especially during this time of 2020, and I couldn't be prouder.
2: Right. So I want to circle back later on on just your involvement with the community and those conversations that you have to have. But when you bring up the special entity that the GPAC is, what makes GPAC student athletes and coaches special?
1: Yeah, I think we have student-athletes that view playing and competing in the GPAC as something that they strive to do. I could refer to it as, we're their Big Ten, or we're their Big 12, and they've had their sights set on Northwestern or any other GPAC school, maybe since they were a kid. And I think when you're that vested in who you are participating for and going to school at the school you're going to, I think that really shines through a lot of our student-athletes. There's a lot of pride. Pride to put on their individual uniforms, but pride to represent a conference that I think has, has a great perception nationally. And I think that they know when they compete in this league that they're competing with the best. And that's why there's a tremendous amount of respect, I think, between our student-athletes that said the line before, we compete like crazy. We can get into it once in a while, but we're going to shake hands and we're going to respect each other. And I think that's what makes student athletes so great in those conferences is that dedication to their schools and to our league.
2: Right. And so you bring up, you know, the Big Ten, the Big 12, obviously Division One schools and the Big Ten right now, of course, is in the news for the decisions that they are going to make or haven't made. It's not up for me to pass judgment on that. But the GPAC from day one has been pretty consistent with their message How did that come about? Specifically, what I mean is the message from April on is we're going to forge ahead and we're going to play. We may have to take a few roadblocks along the way, but I always felt that the GPAC was, when I heard the statements, was there and committed to the coaches and the kids in the colleges that we were going to compete.
1: Yeah, I think that you're absolutely right. When March shut everything down and kind of had to do the reset there. But then once those discussions ramped up about what the new year was going to look like, I don't think there was ever a doubt in our conference that we wanted to move forward. Hmm. Were there question marks along the way? There's no question about that. I mean, there were times in meetings where, you know, you're looking at things and going, okay, how are we going to get there? But that one conference, one voice approach has really shined through. And I'm going to give a lot of credit to our presidents who locked arms together and said it is imperative that we get back on our campuses this fall. And if we're going to do that, we can play intercollegiate athletics. We are willing to withstand the bumps in the road to get it done. So here we are now, two weeks, three weeks into it, there are bumps in the road, but we're withstanding them. It's created hard conversations from time to time, but I think we're committed to an end goal. And that's really been exciting for me to see. And then I'll bring the athletic directors on board with that as well, who have said, we'll do whatever it takes. You know, if that means that we have to move things around in a way we've never moved things around, we'll do it. And the schools that have had stoppages, and we have had schools that have had to stop and pause, the amount of understanding and just reaching out to saying, we understand, we care about you, get better, get back on the path, it's sure. just been so great to see. So I think that that really has played into it. And that's made it easy for us to continue to have that end goal in sight of playing this fall.
2: Right. So we kind of talked a little bit about the difficulty, but is there one thing that's been most difficult about leading the GPAC through the COVID pandemic?
1: Probably the unknown of what tomorrow brings. I think that's probably been the pandemic in a nutshell, right? I mean, you you, you just never know what's going to break tomorrow or what statistics are going to come out tomorrow or what could happen in one area tomorrow. So you want to lead forward and you want to be three, four, five, six steps ahead, but sometimes you have to stay in the moment as well. So balancing, I think the looking ahead and in the moment has probably been the hardest part of the pandemic, but when you're doing it with great people who are visionaries, I think that helps. But yeah, I think, you know, we don't know what October one brings. We don't know what October 15 brings. And when you are an A to Z type person that likes neat and tidy, (laughs) neat and tidy is not going to happen in 2020 and 21. You know, we spent a lot of time two years ago, Gary, putting together master schedules for this year that are essentially been thrown in a dumpster and everything's a Tetris game now. You start moving things around or I call it a Rubik's Cube sometimes. And that's okay because that's the new normal that we live in and we can work within those parameters.
2: Yeah. So what's one thing, Corey, that you're working on right now that might surprise the people that are listening?
1: You know, I think one thing that we're looking at is not just the now in terms of the fall, but we're thinking about the winter We're even thinking out into the spring. And I think that we've been really cognizant of that. I think that we're very aware of, I think what we're really working on hard, and I don't even know if I would categorize it as now. I think we've been working on this from the very beginning is the contingency plan of where we would be if we had to really, really scale back within the conference here in the coming weeks. And I don't know if that surprises anybody. I I would think that hopefully people would say, well, I would hope so that you're doing that. But to do that at the same time while you're competing is a balancing act, right? So I think that that's something that we're working on. We are looking forward as a conference. We've tried to continue to keep our strategic plan in mind of long-term goals. One president said it well yesterday. I have about 30 things on my desk that probably should have been done two weeks ago, but I can't get to them because I'm dealing in the now. And I think we're all dealing with that right now. But I think you have to find time as a leader to set aside just some time to go back to that other pile and make sure that you are working forward just to give yourself a mental break. So uh, I don't know if that adequately answers the question. It's just an odd time in leadership, but we're definitely doing a lot of unique things right now.
2: Yeah, no, that's really good. Our, When you talk about, you know, continuing on and just doing the normal things that we would possibly do during the day, are there any new activities or schools that will be added to the GPAC? Is that part of any plan moving forward?
1: You know, we continually look at new membership within the conference. It's a unique time in intercollegiate athletics because of conferences being shut down and those types of things. And then you look at Division II and Division III. Some are not participating. So the grander scope of what other schools are doing right now is unique. And, you know, where that all comes out at the end of this pandemic, when we'll be able to look back on it in retrospect, will be very interesting. Our membership is very important to us. We're 12 members strong. We have a great group. We just did add some membership to the league in men's volleyball. We added Ottawa out of Kansas as an affiliate member and Central Christian out of Kansas as an affiliate member. And that's the newest sport in the conference is men's volleyball recently before that we added cheer and dance which has gone over tremendously well one of our better attended championships and has just been a great opportunity so we do continue to look forward with those opportunities as well for our student athletes but i think the other thing that we did pre-covid is we added a council of student athletes in the conference we wanted to continue to raise that voice of student athletes unfortunately the meeting that they were supposed to come into to really get themselves established got moved virtually and the students were not on campus this spring. So that one's still out there as one that we need to reactivate and get going as well. And I'm really excited for that opportunity.
2: You were ahead of the curve there on the Council of Student-Athletes as things transpired from May, from Memorial Weekend into the month of June with Student Voice. So I applaud you for that. That was And, and that is something that will serve the conference well, I'm sure, I mean, anytime that the students are involved. There's just a different perspective. And of course, collaboration and including people in the vision only makes it stronger. Corey, what is something that serving as the commissioner of the GPAC conference has done for coaches and athletes that you didn't really expect back in 2003?
1: You know, it's an interesting question. I thought about that one a little bit. I, you know, I think uh, serving as commissioner has allowed me to be kind of a person that is an ambassador For the conference i guess as i've gotten older and i have kids in high school now i find myself in conversation with parents in the lobbies of Ah. gymnasiums and everything talking about what is this gpac all about you know your son your daughter in high school what are they thinking about for college and i think it's given me an opportunity to be a de facto recruiter for a lot of schools and not specifically saying go here or go there but just that collective whole of you know what's it like at northwestern college what's it like at school a school b in the conference so I think that that's something that's really grown over time as my kids have grown up and as I've, as I've gotten older in, the, in that regard. I do think also it's given me a chance to get into the communities of the conference. My uh, rotary and those types of speaking engagements have only grown in recent years because we have such great supporters in our conference that want to hear about the GPAC that their school is a part of, the quarterback clubs or whatever you want to call it. I just go out and do those. A lot more prior to March, certainly, But they're going to ramp back up again as well. So I think probably being that ambassador is a hat that I didn't know I would wear to this extent. And that's a great thing. And I enjoy doing it.
2: Right. Corey, is there one person that's changed the way that you've approached your work?
1: Well, I mentioned Rick Vanderberg earlier uh, as my first boss. And sometimes you kind of got to go back to the beginning of your career and who molded you. But, you know, Rick always was very good at saying, big picture, you know, uh, you can't live in a box with your sports. And I think I've carried that over to the GPAC, when you have 22 sports, you can't just be thinking about football or volleyball or or basketball all the time. You have to be thinking about other sports as well. So I think that, you know, that guidance early on of you're not just a one sport commissioner, you're an all sport commissioner was really good guidance. And I think too, just other leaders have, you know, moved me forward to say, you know, you have to work with everybody and they're not always going to be easy conversations. I have had other mentors in my life. I really have commissioner colleagues that I think a lot of. Scott Crawford and I down in the Kansas Collegiate Athletic Conference are really good friends. And it's good to have somebody you can pick up the phone and you don't have to give the backstory to. They know the backstory. And you could come in and really get into what's going on. And I think that through this time, especially, that friendship has grown. And he and I really share a lot of those common thoughts.
2: Yeah. So is there one most important thing that you've learned about leadership in your life?
1: Well, I think leadership is about communication first and foremost, and I think that if you're going to be a leader that's not going to communicate and continue to let people know what's going on, you're going to fail. But I also think you have to be willing to listen. you have to you just have to shut your mouth once in a while and, and, and listen and and take thirty seconds to hear a position of somebody else, frame it, reevaluate that conversation and go forward. It's easy to escalate into maybe controversy or conflict. And I think sometimes if you just listen and then communicate, you can really work through those types of things. So I think leaders have to be both of those things. I think you also have to be just a real person. Uh, You can't put yourself above anybody else. You can't take that position of I'm here, you're not. That's failure right there because everybody's important when it comes to this. And boy, has COVID-19 really brought that forward. The amount of voices that we've had to bring into the fold these are people I've probably never had conversations with before. Right, wrong, or indifferent, just didn't happen. You know, and one of those groups, and I don't want to say I never had communications, but one of those groups would be our athletic trainers. You know, they kind of do right. their job. They kind of just hang out there. You see them at games, say hi, how's it going, who's hurt, those types of things. But boy, to really bring all that together, you know, that's leadership is bringing people together.
2: Yeah. We are visiting with Mr. Corey Wester, a commissioner of the Great Plains Athletic Conference, in this episode of Transforming Education Leadership Lessons. And I just want to go back just a little bit to what you were saying about listening and communicating. And I've seen you do that. Of, Of course, we've run into each other at the Women's National Tournament. And, you know, there's a lot of opinions that float around, especially once games get going. But when there's those issues, you seem to be able to understand that that's not directed at you, that they just are trying to find somebody that's going to get them balanced the right way. And what is said just doesn't come across very well. You're just able to handle those things and understand that they're not really accusing you. They know that you're the one that maybe can talk them down. Would that be accurate?
1: Well, I think so. I've often joked, Gary, if I was to ever go back to school again, I would get a minor in psychology Uh because, you know, people's emotions are people's emotions and sport is emotional. Competition is emotional and you have to check those feelings at the door. So when a coach is upset or an athletic director is upset, you are just going to have those times. But I've also found that things will come back around, and you cannot take it personally, and I think that's very important. Is that hard? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. It's very hard. Nobody wants to be in those situations too often, that's for sure, but I would agree with that. Uh, somebody, You just sometimes need to be a sounding board and say thank you, but sometimes you just have to then walk away and say, I've heard you, you've heard me, let's talk later, and yeah, we'll come back to it. Sure.
2: Yeah, that's good counsel, that's for sure. So talking about those national tournaments and I'd really like to know what your thought processes were from someone on the outside that would get the memos and kind of know the dates when there would be proposals that needed to be made for those tournaments to stay in Sioux City is what I'm getting at. I'm just wondering what you went through emotionally and the things that you had to do to make sure that those bids were solid and volleyball and basketball tournaments for women stayed in Sioux City.
1: Yeah, I would say go back to... First of all, canceling and ending the women's tournament in March was Mm. probably one of the hardest things I've ever been a part of uh, in my athletic career. Those were tough hours, for sure. So then you kind of come out of that, and I think the fact that everybody shut down probably helped that a little bit, but it didn't make it any easier, that's for sure. You know, as we came back around, not knowing what this season was going to look like, and it became pretty obvious pretty quickly that fall championships were going to probably not be in the fall And so that that really put where volleyball would land here in limbo. So, yeah, there were moments there where I don't know if I ever questioned that Sioux City would remain as the host, but there were certainly times where you had to really dig deep and work out some scenarios. And I thought the NAI was very, very good with us. Uh, They respect us a lot, and they wanted to make it work. So at the end of the day, it was more about finding a date. It wasn't about can you or can't you. Let's find the date that works for you. And we ended uh, with uh, end of April. For the volleyball tournament with the championship on May 1, basketball has never been moved. So that new date and new format and everything this year is still intact to be played in March. So that one has been untouched. But what's been unique about that is is now we're going into the changeover to one division through a pandemic and through not having a tournament last year. So a lot of a loose ends there, but we're slowly tying those up.
2: Yeah. So the, the change in women's basketball to one division, how do you think that impacts the tournament?
1: Well, it just makes it different. You know, it's, it's fewer games. I think that's probably the most obvious answer to that. But I also think it's going to be really competitive when you have 16 coming in instead of 32. Not to say 32 wasn't competitive, but these 16 that get to Sioux City are going to have been through two battles already and have had to won two basketball games in a tournament format. So and then you're also going to see teams that you've never seen before on women's and men's basketball. For us on the women in Sioux City and the men in Kansas City, Whereas in volleyball, we've seen those teams before because right. it has been one division. So that familiarity will be there. So it's just going to be a new normal in terms of maybe you're not going to see all these teams you saw for 22 years before, but I think we'll embrace it. It'll just be excellent. And having one NAI tournament too, I think will be kind of a, a neat deal. Uh, you know, not that we're splitting anything now between two divisions. I think that we are the one. will really add to the excitement that March is Town in Sioux City. And uh, we love that title for sure.
2: Right. Right. So, Corey, we talked a little bit about leadership. Is there anything else that you feel are leadership traits that a person needs to have in order to be successful?
1: Well, I think you need to uh, surround yourself with good people. I was listening to podcasts during the pandemic and Mike Shashevsky had a really good one talking about who are you going to put on your bus? You know, are you going to just get on the bus and sit in the seat alone or are you going to put people on that bus that support you? That can start at a very young age. So if you have young folks listening to this, I think it does. It starts now, surrounding yourself with good people that are good influences in your life and also finding a way to seek out people that will be assets to you moving forward. I've shared this with classes within the GPAC when I get asked to speak about, you know, how do you get started in athletic administration? And to be honest with you, the answer is, is you can't say no very often. You have to say yes to doing things when people ask as long as they're reasonable things. And, uh, you know, so that may be keeping score or that may be taking gate or that may be popping popcorn. Right, right. It doesn't really matter, but it's going to get you introduced to people and it's going to get you in front of people to show what you can do. And I think that that's really important. And then eventually you might move into those roles of co-tournament director or whatever. But, you know, that's my role kind of within the NAI tournaments is, is I just started as a guy that was on the bench that was working some games eventually started assigning the bench workers, and before you know it was asked to be the tournament director. And that's the progression there. So I think in leadership, you have to be willing to grow, and you have to be willing to do things to get to an end goal down the road. Yeah,
2: very good. So, Corey, what are you curious about right now in your area of work?
1: Oh, boy. You know, I am always curious in other leadership styles. I think that's something that's always intrigued me. I know one of the other questions you sent me was, what books are you reading? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love reading leadership books. I really like reading books by coaches. Jay Wright is one that I've read very recently. It's called Attitude, and it kind of walks through his history of being Villanova's basketball coach. That's a book I've read. I've also read the Nike book about uh, how Nike came to be. Very interesting book that journey as well haven't had a lot of time to read lately let's be perfectly honest but you know as I even as I did my leadership master's degree those were my go-tos along the way and my entire thesis was on John Wooden and his leadership style with the uh, pyramid of you know the pyramid that John Wooden put in the pyramid of success. Mm -hmm. So um, I really like looking at things that way, but I'm always striving to add something to my abilities, whether that may be a small thing or a big thing. Um, I always wanna be a a continual learner. Um, I don't wanna settle in and just say, good enough. So I suppose that's probably what intrigues me most is to continue to look for more.
2: Yeah. Corey, is there anything that I should have asked you that I just didn't know enough to ask?
1: No, I, I feel like our students during this time have done an amazing job, students and student athletes. They've been asked to do a lot. And one of my things that I said a few times, a few weeks ago is is don't underestimate the power of our students today to do things that you didn't see coming because they know what's at stake here. And I'm not just talking athletics. I'm talking about schools staying open, them staying on campus. And Greg and I talked this week and Greg Christie and I at the football game. And you know, they're like, whatever you do, don't send us home. You know, we want to stay in an on-campus environment. So it's been really neat to our next generation come through that way, fostered by this generation who was fostered by the generation before us. Uh, We really do learn from those that have gone before and teach those that come behind. And I think that's really important.
2: Yeah, I probably skipped over some hidden skills that you have. I've seen you do the television broadcast through ESPN3 at the NAIA tournament. I don't know how you got into that, but it turned out well. Yeah, And I listened the other night to the football game and you were doing that. And that was really impressive too. So is that just something you do on the side or is it just an interest?
1: Well, you know, my background when I started in all this was a broadcaster. And I tell my wife all the time, sometimes I just need to get the headset back on. Yeah. Um, it's a good, it's a good out for me. Uh, it's, a, it's a release in terms of just focusing in on competition and maybe not standing in the corner there thinking about all the things that could be adjusted or adapted from the game. So every once in a while, an opportunity presents itself, and I do it. And, you know, like the football game this weekend was one, and ESPN3, I think, gives us an opportunity to share Sioux City and the pack and and those types of things. So strategic about what I do, but I I do like doing that. Yeah.
2: Well, Corey, thanks so much for your time. This has been really good, and the time went quickly. And just want to thank you for all you do for the GPAC coaches and the students and uh, your work uh, navigating us as smooth as any conference in the country, navigating this whole pandemic thing. So thanks and thanks for your work.
1: All right. Gary, great to see you. And thanks to your workers there as well. Uh, Great, great podcast. Really enjoyed being a part of it. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Thanks very much. And uh, we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. All right. Bye now. Leslie, that was uh, great information from Corey and the work he's done with the GPAC. What was your review and your highlights from the podcast yeah, today?
0: absolutely. Corey, what a fantastic leader and the voice of our athletic conference and really the backbones of it, right? I loved how we touched on that tomorrow is unknown, which, of course, we know. But as leaders, we're often thinking to prepare for any crisis, and it just so happens that everyone is in crisis mode at the same time. So that balancing act of looking ahead, but also taking care of what needs to be taken care of right now is a challenge for leaders and balancing that well, I think he's shown to do.
2: He did a great job right from the beginning. I don't think he controls the President's Council. But he certainly is an influencer there, and there didn't seem to be, from the communication that came out, any wavering on what the GPAC was going to do. And that's a credit, of course, to the presidents of the conference, as well as the ADs, but also to his leadership.
0: Right, absolutely. He really works as that ambassador and connector in the conference and those leadership skills as he works with other leaders, with other peers. He really touched on how important communication is, the ability to listen which we know is important, but to really evaluate, especially in the athletic scene, we know how much emotion can be there, and it can be in other settings, in the school setting and and office setting, to be aware of how others are feeling and that emotional intelligence to even step away at a time when you need to really being a real person, I think, is a fantastic note. You're not above anyone else, and a strong leader is someone that can connect well and feel authentic in that space and can really seek out people that both support you and that you can support as well.
2: Having been around Corey and seeing him in national tournaments, even though he directs them, he's really approachable, and I think that plays well for a number of people that attend, but particularly those that are involved. Probably emotionally. So what did you catch for the books that Corey was reading?
0: Yes, he talked about Attitude by Jay Wright, talking through the Villanova Coach, another athletic book. The Nike book, it may be Shoe Dog, is one that talks about the Nike franchise. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And he also mentioned John Wooden, too, in his books about this pyramid of success. He's definitely a continual learner, and an important characteristic of a leader is to want to yeah continue to get better, right?
2: Right. So we thank Mr. Corey Westra for giving of his time and sharing his wisdom as we reflect on leaders that inspire and influence education. As a leader in education, you matter, and how you lead matters to a whole bunch of people that you serve on a daily basis. You were created for significance. Thanks again, uh, Cho, and thanks again, Leslie, for being here today and Dan for getting this dropped on time for us. And until next time, inspire and influence.